Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victoria Benyon, and the founder of the Victoria Benyon Podcast Booking Agency. And you're listening to The Best Guest, the podcast for business owners, creatives, and entrepreneurs who want to harness the power of podcasts to grow their platforms and increase their visibility. We're here to support you on your journey, bringing you actionable tips with each episode. Now, let's begin. In episode 35 of The Best Guest, I'm joined by Sinead Sharkey-Steenson, the career elevator coach at Generation Women. Sinead helps women get the promotions and pay rises they deserve. She's been recognized as one of 22 leaders to learn from in 2022 by Bunch Leadership App. Sinead is passionate about the quality and seeing more women in leadership. Hello, Sinead. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. I'm having a good day. Excellent. I'm really glad that you were able to join us. Now, you're the career elevator coach at Generation Women, where you help women get promotions and pay rises. I wondered if you could talk to us a bit about your journey. What led to you founding Generation Women? Of course. And thank you so much for having me today, Victoria. So my journey to Generation Women started really with working in the corporate world, like a lot of coaches. So I've had a career that has been, I want to say checkered. I don't know if that's Mm. the right (laughs) word. But like, let's just say it didn't start out on a very strong footing I left university with a degree in psychology, which I'd loved studying, but like my ambition of going to university had been fulfilled. And then I was like, I have no idea what I want to do next. There was a number of years of drifting into things and doing things because they seemed like the right thing to do. I couldn't get a job with a degree in psychology. Who knew? So I went and did a management program for a year and got a year's experience working in HR and thought, well, this isn't really for me. Went back and studied, um, did a master's in IT because that was the the big tech boom was starting to happen and um i was i was ambitious with no direction so i thought it looks like a way to be successful and to get a great job and i was right it actually did get me a great job but the problem was i discovered like on week 1 of the masters that it wasn't for me <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> so, but I did. I just had no idea what else to do. So I ploughed on ahead, and I got a I got a job in a really big global organization that was a great company to work for. But I just felt like the biggest imposter from day one because I was in there doing a job that I felt totally ill-prepared and like my brain just didn't work in the right way to do so I'd met loads of brilliant techie people on the course and they just wowed with me with how they thought and I wasn't I just wasn't (laughs) one of them my confidence took a real hit then in the workplace so even though I had this I remember being asked where do you want to be in five years time and like I think I wanted to be the CEO or something the reality of working in the business and not having any clue um, really hit home. And I, I became, I'd been labelled shy when I was a child. 
And that side of me really came out again. I became really afraid to speak up. And, you know, so meetings were just hideous. Oh, Meetings can be really hard. But I mean, I used to sit there with my heart beating out of my chest and just being like, oh God, nobody asked me to say anything. And even if I had things to say, I would really doubt myself. So obviously it wasn't a fun place to be, but I really loved the people in the business and I kind of liked what they did. It was a big aerospace company and there was loads of opportunities in it but I just didn't believe in myself and the ridiculous thing is I look back now and actually I was way better than I gave myself credit I'm sure you were it's really hard to picture you as shy and worried to be honest yeah I think most of the people that work with me then actually when they hear me tell this story go what are you talking about? Because a lot more of it was obviously going on on the inside than people saw on the outside. But also then I found my feet and, and found my way. And so I, I did a good job of recreating my role into something that I could do. <laughs> so I teamed up with a really brilliantly smart techie guy. And he he was the one everybody went to for the answers. And I worked alongside him. And but he wasn't as great as the at the communicating with people. And so we became a good duo. I would go and do all the customer facing stuff and all that kind of thing. And he would do that, the all the hard bit, all the tech bit. After a few years, naturally <laughs> stuck it for a few years of feeling really like this is not for me, but having no clue what to do. I I had a bit of a a road to Damascus moment <laughs> where I I recognised, and I just wrote a blog on this today, actually. I recognised that nobody is coming to fix this for me. This is my career. I have to take responsibility for it. And I can either bore everyone and myself rigid, moaning about how unhappy I am, or I can get off me ask them do something about it and so I, I chose the latter <laughs> as I'd already killed everybody with my uh, moaning and that's what I did I started to really look into well what am I good at what are my strengths how can I use them what does the business need right now the business I was in was going through a really bad time it was when employee engagement surveys became a big thing and we had had the worst survey. Sorry for anybody that knows the company I'm talking about. But I think everybody had a bit of a shocker when they started these surveys. And it had gone particularly bad in my department. Over a glass or two of red wine one night, I was thinking, I can do something about this. I love working out how people think. My psychology degree came home. My experience in HR, I'd worked a couple of years in HR, that came to play. And I was like, I think I can really do something about this. And so it was the first brave thing I ever did in the company. I went into my director and I said, I feel like I can fix this. The bravado, <laughs> maybe rather than brave. Uh, I think I can fix this. Will you let me do some stuff? And he was like, of course. Yeah, crack on. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do about it. 
Um, and he, we're still in touch now, me in that direction. I always thank him for that support. And he really helped me through my career. And he just says, no, it was all you. But it was a really big thing that he could see I had something and I wasn't, he knew I wasn't in the right place, really. And he, he was the most caring person about his people and supporting them. And so that sparked a whole different career. And it was from there that I got into, so I, I really helped transform that department and then got to do it on the company basis and became known as the person that really helped teams and leaders to turn around their performance. And I was like the hearts and minds part of the cultural transformation. And so I fell in love with coaching and helping leaders and I did all the training and got all of the, the stuff. And it was like, even though I didn't know what I was doing, I found my confidence and I found my purpose and my passion. And that was where things really lifted for me. And when I, I've kind of taken you on the long version. So. No, it's really interesting. <laughs> um, It was then, you know, like, things progressed and and whatever but when I had my children I had two girls and I'd got to thinking you know I'm back at this place where I don't think this is where I don't want to keep climbing in a company that's not really for me I can't see where else I'm going to go other than repeat this in another company so what's right for me now and having two daughters really helped me um, start to see the world in a different way and I'd, I'd worked in very male dominated environments and started to see actually maybe I could use the skills and you know capabilities I'd been building up over these years to help women find that purpose of fulfillment in their career whilst getting properly rewarded and recognized for it and I'm really passionate about women getting what they deserve because it's my belief that almost every woman we know that's working well certainly that's uh, uh, working at home <laughs> as a parent I mean but uh, in the workplace isn't getting paid what they deserve that's quite shocking yeah society being a big one but I'm helping them now do do the things that they need to to really change that so that's where Generation Women was born. Is it right that to date you've helped close to 10,000 women? Yes, yep. So I have my programmes that I run um, and I've had a lot of women go through those um, in corporates and outside. But I mainly work with women that come to me and um, we work together in that way but also I run a free challenge a couple of times a year where hundreds and hundreds of women join each time and they get fantastic results so in five days we work on their confidence and their strategy and the number of promotions and pay rises and big job changes that have happened out of that has been pretty epic to be honest so that has been really great. Do you see the same kind of issues coming up with women in your challenges? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing is most of them think it's just them until they're surrounded by a lot of women all having the same thoughts and and stresses and strains. 
So there's lots of things. There's toxic workplaces. And there's, you know, coming up against bias. Um, and so there's that external piece. And then internally, there's the imposterism that I talked about experiencing myself and lacking confidence. Or there's just not having the right strategies to make the ask for uh, a pay rise or, uh, you know, to work in a, a different area or whatever it is. So, yeah, we really work on those strategies. We work on visibility, like pretty much every woman needs to make what they do more visible. And we work on um, building great relationships so everything is done through who you know more than what you know. We focus on those areas, particularly in my challenge and then a, a bit more in my career elevator program. And then I work with leaders as well. And I have a mastermind program for leaders. What are the challenges that leaders are dealing with? Is it taking that next step? I guess there's a lot more responsibility if you're in a more substantial role. It can be about taking that next step and the belief of, am I ready? I often have to give people a bit of a push to say, well, why not you? Do we really need another man called John in the leadership <laughs> team or on the board? Like, would it not benefit from having a Victoria or a, an Anjali or whoever it is <laughs> sitting up there? So that can be a key thing. And another big thing that none of them recognize until they're doing my program, or hardly any of them, is how much pressure they put on themselves and they feel under to perform and to be all things to everybody and to be amazing. And they never live up to their own standard because it's so ridiculously high. And so just working on that mindset of recognizing I am enough. I yeah, I don't need to be doing everything that I'm doing. I can still perform at a very high level. We do a lot of work on, on how you think and how you approach things. And so many of them are like, oh my God, I feel so much more at ease with myself. I'm more confident as a result and then able to have more impact. We use a, a thing called positive intelligence is a key part of my mastermind and, and that's all about working on your brain and then of course we do all the the stuff around your presence and relationships forms a big part of that and strategy and all of the good leadershipy topics as well that sounds really good uh, so when you're not working I believe you like cold water swimming I wanted to ask you about that because I live right by the sea and I see people doing it, but I've never brave enough. Do you still do that regularly? Yes, I do. Although I have been avoiding it the last two weeks, but I am going tomorrow. Yeah, I started it a year ago, almost to the day, the 14th of May. And if you'd have told me 13 months ago that I was going to do this, I would have said, are you wise? You know, during lockdowns and stuff, people were posting about swimming and whatever. And I think we all had this feeling of being boxed in and I wanted a bit of freedom and that kind of thing. And I am I was actually petrified of the sea since I was about 15 or 16. I used to go for holidays in Donegal in the summer. There was this one summer we would have spent the whole time in the sea. 
Now, just remember there have been a big influx of Portuguese man of war jellyfish and being totally terrifying. And since then, I've never been in the sea. Um, I had abroad, but not here. And so it, a friend encouraged me in and I've not looked back. Oh my goodness, it has changed my life. Okay, what's so good about it then? Because <laughs> I'm thinking very cold. And <laughs> it is really cold. There's no getting around that. You do get over it. Um, and the more you do it, the less bad it feels. It never goes away, though. It's still, you still squeal. Well, I still squeal when I get in the water and whatever. But you just feel so invigorated by it. It's like a reset book. So if you've been really stressed out, and like I have two kids, there's seven and coming up 10, and I'm running two businesses and, you know, all of life and whatever, it, it's a lot. Um, but you just get in the sea and it's like somebody hits reset on you and it's just, oh, all is well again. And plus you make loads of really good friends. We're obsessive with it. Like I have become that uh, <laughs> swimming obsessive. But everybody's so friendly and welcoming because they all know there's just this thing that connects you all that's like, yeah, we're all mad getting in this <laughs> cold water, but we get it. We know why. <laughs> Do you wear a wetsuit? Is it just a swimming costume? No. I just couldn't be bothered with a wetsuit. That would be way too much effort on a daily basis to do. Swimsuit, although I have been cheating and wearing swimming leggings. So when jellyfish season started, apparently they can't sting through leggings. So I started wearing them then and I haven't taken them off since, but I will get rid of them again during the summer. Oh, I dare. Keep them on for a while. Because it's really, they do help the cold. That's good. We had jellyfish here when I was about eight. And they was just everywhere, I remember, in the sea. And you couldn't move for jellyfish. They were all washed up and horrible. I think I was stung mildly. I remember not feeling very well. Yeah. Oh. So I can understand that. We have weaver fish. That's oh, what are they? I haven't actually seen one, but I've seen people oh, who've been stung by them. Going, ah. <laughs> they bury themselves in the sand. Little spiky bits. Oh, I wear shoes. I wear like surfing shoes or else the the sock things. Yeah. That's good. So you're well protected. You've got the leggings for the jellyfish and you've got the shoes for the weaver fish and anything else. And then uh, when it's really cold, I wear gloves as well. You know, the scuba gloves. Because your hands are the first bit that get really cold. Yeah, I was going to say, do you come out numb? No, I think if you you come out numb, you've been in too long. Okay. <laughs> so, Is it just a quick dip? Well, yeah, it depends on the day. We probably stay in about 10 or so minutes. If we have a swim a wee bit longer. Yeah, if it's a hotter day, I'm not sure that it makes much of a difference. Don't take any safety advice from me. You know, when you're there with the kids and whatever, you'll be in and out. Um, but sometimes I'll just go in on my own and stay for a while and because you're getting out into the hot sun and warm up again so I haven't convinced you <laughs> I'll think about trying it I like the idea of the reset but you also feel really connected to nature which is lovely so you know after the lockdowns and everything 
I think we were all craving that. And you just, you feel, I think that's why it resets you because you're part of something much bigger than you. Does something magical to your mind and body that just really helps shift everything. So, oh, amazing. Skipping back a bit to your business, because I jumped on with the cold water swimming. How have you gone about growing your business? Uh, There's been a few things, but my thing has always been whenever I have a problem, I I go and look for the answers and I go and look for help. I will try and work it out, of course, myself. But I just think if there's an expert that's got more time to understand this than I do, then why not speak to them? So the times I've had the biggest changes in my business have been when I've I've gone and sought coaching or a mastermind or something like that. So gone and sought the right person out to help me with the next stage. So I always dream big. <laughs> Like I have, my goal is to elevate at least 1 million women's careers. And that's really what I want to do. So that gives me a sense of purpose and focus and ambition. And then I look at, right, well, how how am I going to do that? What are the things that I need to do? I do group programs because they can scale and I can support more people rather than one-to-one coaching but also because they're way better everybody learns from each other and they build their network and um, it creates a community which encourages so much more growth I mean I work with two business coaches at the minute Andrew Pate from Atomic so I'm on their accelerator program and that's really been helpful, helping me build a strategy for scaling. But before I joined them, I looked at, well, what do I need to do to be able to scale and grow? So I looked at my systems because I am the ultimate bottleneck for everything in the business. <laughs> I just thought I can't grow and keep with while I'm in my own way so much. So I worked with a brilliant woman, Jodie, from uh, she's the systems alchemist, and she helped me get my systems all in order so that I could have, have a woman that sorted my website out. And then, and it's just about constantly challenging myself. On the days you just want to hide under your duvet, sometimes I do, but often I say, well, no, why am I doing this? And, and let's keep going. It's difficult when you run your own business or when you're starting it or because you have to do everything. Maybe you're not so prepared for that. Or certainly I wasn't that actually you you are HR, you're the finance, you've got to sort your website probably. You're the, the marketing. marketing. Exactly. <laughs> like I think you just get sucked into so much with marketing, especially. Yeah. And do you know those were a lot of the reasons why I had avoided starting a business for most of my life. I just thought I know nothing about finance or marketing or sales. But you learn enough in the first couple of years to keep yourself going, and then you earn enough to pay other people <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so, so that's that's been my method. How can I get enough money in so I can get get rid of that bit and get on with what I do? I think that's a really good philosophy. Plus, I mean, I've had the benefit of my husband getting involved in the business, and so he's brilliant at all the systems 
side of stuff and marketing and that kind of thing and so we both like the opposite things which really help and and so we're able to get a lot more done that you way. recently refreshed your branding that looks really good is that something he works on well I do have somebody that creates the branding so uh, a brilliant woman called Shelley from handcrafted designs oh god Shelley I'm so sorry uh, my brain's failing me so she creates the look and feel of the brand and then he takes that and creates all the imagery and stuff for blogs and social media and all that kind of thing and so I never have any hassles getting getting stuff out there because he's on it and he's got a real he actually could have gone into design he's got a real eye for it so especially when he's got those concepts to work with that's really useful you've just got the complementary skills yeah who knew I mean we've been together for 20 odd years (laughs) we were unaware that this was it's really good that you're able to work together as well yeah yeah it's interesting we have to work in different rooms in the house because we have very different working styles but we get together agree so we often have walking meetings which really help get the dog walked get out it's uh, side by side agree what we're going to do and then we both disappear off to our own bits of the house to to do the work and it, it does work that's really good except I probably talk about work way more than he does what have some of your biggest lessons been over your career so the the number one thing is uh, learning to treat fear differently like fear is something we're all afraid of, yes, obviously, but it can make you sit in a box and, and not do anything. But I've learned over time that if I'm feeling afraid of something, it's probably worth worth pursuing because the best things in life all require you to push a bit outside your box And it's only when you do that that you get really good results. So I tend to treat fear a bit like a flare warning to say there's something big, there's something exciting. You might be crapping yourself right now, but maybe it's worth going for it. So it's a bit like an excited friend shouting up and down in front of you going, you've got to do this. It's amazing. So Making fear my friend has been a big thing that's really helped. And the other thing would be that goes alongside that. Well, if you don't know, go and ask. There's always somebody in your network, in your group of friends, in the people that you know, that will know somebody that knows the answer to what you're struggling with. That's good. We're feeling that there's somebody on the internet that always (laughs) but you can't trust them just as easily. And so going and getting help, like why spend two years struggling to get to where you want to go when you can pay somebody some money to get you there in a few months? And I say that to people with their careers as well. I watch people all the time. And you know that you can see them struggling. And I'm just thinking, if you came to me, you know, in six months time, you could be in your dream job but I know I'm going to meet you in three years' time and you're still going to be struggling on. But people have to reach that moment for themselves. 
it's that nobody's going to come and fix it for you but once you've realized and taken responsibility you can always find somebody to help you do it oh that's brilliant advice yes very true (laughs) okay well where can listeners go to learn more about you and to connect with you Okay, so my two favourite places to connect with me are on LinkedIn. So I'm Sinead Sharky Steenson on LinkedIn, and I have a Generation Women business page there too. And my other favourite place is my website, of course, which is genwomen, genwomen.global. And you can find it all about me and my programmes there. Brilliant. Thank you very much. We'll put links to all that in the show notes. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. Thank you for joining us. Visit www.victoriabenyon.com to book a free podcast guesting strategy session with one of our team. Using the information you provide when you book, we'll get to know you and your business better so you get the most value from your strategy call. You will come away from this 30-minute session with huge value. We'll share our top tips for being a podcast guest and up to five suggestions of perfect fit podcasts you can approach. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest Podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode.